All right, we're recording. Yep. Welcome everyone to the Rank Rat Report podcast. Uh, a little bit of a tumultuous time in Leafs land. Uh, recording no Tuesday, November first. As always, joined by Josh and Jason. Did you say tumultuous? Tumultuous. What's well, like one above tumultuous? I don't know. Like an eighteen wheeler going off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> we're not there I yet. Yes. Right. Yeah. No. Interesting. It's still early. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, ten. Ten games in. One eighth of the season in. We were. Uh, Around something like this last year, but not not quite like this last year, I would say. No, right. We're, we're actually going to get into that later, but yes, I guess so. So, uh, Leafs just finished their road trip. Went, went through California, I guess. I don't. I don't really ever remember them doing the road, the California trip, where they start like Winnipeg and then they progress to California. But nevertheless, um, it was terrible. I don't think there's any other way to put it. It was horrific. I said here last episode, I said, you need six points, like five points minimum. Five points minimum because you're playing three teams that are really not very good. And they should, like, we, I want, even though the Leafs lost all three damn games, trying my hardest not to swear, they lost all three games. You could just see that the other team was not very good. But guess what? They were playing the Leafs who were playing even worse than them. So, we're going to recap those games real quick because no, who wants to get into the details of a couple games you stayed up way too late watching? Uh, we're going to key takeaways from the games, line changes and how they went because there was a, a mess of them. Um, Marner stick break incident, I guess we'll get into that briefly. It was a non-incident, but we'll get into it a little bit. Um, Ten games into the season this year versus last year. New lineup changes that came up and... Uh, a lot more. So, um, what'd you guys think about this California trip? <laughs> it was terrible. And it was not uh, any like bad luck. They should have won every game. They deserve to lose every game. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they got completely outplayed in every game, but they didn't play a, any of those games above a 50, 50 in no. terms of like how the ice was tilted. I don't know what the deserve to win a meter was, but I think it, it was weirdly high for the Leafs in Anaheim, but well, if they you were, look at the be, scoring chances, it it was not. It was even. They were dominating the start of that game. The first so. period, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And then they just... They couldn't break it open, and then, yeah, per usual, a little 3-1, 3-1 lead. <laughs> Worst lead in sports, question mark. But, yeah, each, each of these games, I felt like, though, when you look at it, like, how many goals were scored in all three of these games off of turnovers. A lot. A there lot. was a lot. Two from Mitch Marner himself against Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles was a turnover from Engvall on the penalty kill at the blue line. That was lovely. Whatever happened with Justin Hall and Rasmus Sandin on that first goal. And then um, I'm going to get there. And then the last goal was Rasmus Sandin gave, gave away the puck at the blue line. Um, the first goal, yeah. The fir- I don't know. Even the second goal, I think it was Morgan Riley tried to clear it. Nylander couldn't get it. He wasn't on the boards for some reason. And then eventually it ends up in the back of the Leafs net. Like almost, You could almost go through every single goal. It was because of turnovers. Like, it, it's just crazy to watch the puck management here. It's, it's horrific, to say the least. So we saw in this one also, uh, actually... What are key takeaways from this? Do you guys have any? It's, uh, Which game? Uh, all three together. An amalgamation we will try to... I don't want to get into too many details for each of them, right? We stunk. 
we deserved to win a meter to one game, and that was like a farce at the very like that, that was agree. a farce because a the Anaheim game, like we were up three one, but like when we were up in the third period, we literally didn't produce any chances. If you go look at the graph, the XG graph on oh, Money yeah. Puck or on Natural Stat Trick. After the first Flat. period, did the Leafs produce any chances at five on five? Not, no, not that I can like. Bare, at five like on barely. five, they they were horrible this road trip. They've been horrible. That, horrible. That's like a theme of the year, honestly. But oh th- yeah, this year when you look at the leaders for five on five points for the Leafs, oh my god! After ten games, like, do you want to take a guess who's one, two, three, and what? David Cam five on five points Goals or points points. Uh, I don't think it's camp. No, no. it's not camp because he doesn't have any assists. He needs to play because mm-hmm. we have depth scoring issue. He needs to be surrounded by better talent so he can get his point total. Tavares, one. No. No? At five on five? He's he's seven. Jeez. Marner? Yes. Bunting. Number one with five, five on five points. In 10 games. A little bit low. A little bit if that's number one. <laughs> so Marner, Nylander, Riley? Number three is David Camp. Oh my so God. it's five, Mitch Marner, five, William Nylander, four, David Camp, four, three goals and one primary assist. How many points does he, Matthews have? I believe he lead. I believe David Camp still leads the Leafs in primary five on five uh, points. So that's goals and first assists. How many? Number four, listen to this one real quick. Number four is Nick Robertson, hmm. three points in. Yeah, who got demoted. How, how many games is that? He's getting scratched right now. Not so, just demoted, scratched. Can we, we'll get, we'll save that one. <laughs> Because what did he do in the in the uh, in the San Jose game that just plummeted his ice time? So what happens with Nick Robertson? I'm starting to see a theme: is that when the Leafs go up, they don't play him at all. They don't trust him defensively at all. And if you remember last year, remember when he got put with Tavares and Nylander? He played 11 minutes in that game. I remember still, and they just never play him when they're up. But how long were they up against? How long were they up against LA? Uh, I don't know. Did he, he played not play six that minutes that night. Okay, so there we go. So just to corroborate that, in six games, he has twelve minutes of ice time while leading. Like when the Leafs yeah. are leading, how many minutes have the Leafs been leading? Oh, that's a good question. Like, like before before this Western road trip, they were leading for I, six. I said well, they, they went down against San Jose. I'm just spreading fake. I think fake Joey's right. I definitely think if they're up two goals in the third period, Nick Robertson's going to lose that shift to Pierre Engvall. Yeah. and Malgin lost his as well. Yeah, that, that's fine. I'll get into that. But so. I don't think that's why Nick Robertson has lost his ice time. I have, and I don't know the answer why because it doesn't make any sense. It I doesn't. Have no idea. It's uh, It's been very strange. But um, in terms of the five-on-five five points, what sticks out, I'll just summarize it. Uh, John Tavares has zero five-on-five five goals, two, two primary assists, and Austin Matthews still has one five-on-five five point. Is that real? That is real. That is not being talked about at all. F- one five-on-five. Five That's crazy. I don't know. Outside of like the weird Twitter community. Nobody really talks about five on five points. Like on the radio, it's just, okay, John Tavares has four goals this year yeah. all in the power play, but he has four goals this year. But like, this is, it's insane how horrific this five on five production, uh, uh, five on five, the production has been. And it's been then a crutch that you need the power play to produce. And if the power play doesn't produce, you have yourself a horrible game. You're, you're putting yourself in a terrible position, Right. I think this year, I, I told you guys, 
what was the the number? I think the Leafs have outscored their opponents at five on five this year in two games. Out of ten. Out of ten. What would you attribute that to mostly? Well, number one, your your top dogs haven't really been producing five on five. And I did start to see some encouraging signs against Anaheim, whether that's Anaheim's defense is garbage or that's they're starting to find each other. And it was, you know, that what we mentioned last year. One guy goes into the corner, battles for the puck. The other guy strips the puck, and he gets it to the third guy for F3 um, in a good scoring area, and they get the shot off. There was one shift they got it twice, and it just the puck didn't find its way in. I mean, the shots haven't really been that that dangerous, Last game, I guess, was a good sign. They start. I mean, Matthews hit the crossbar in the in the first period. He then got his goal on the power play. We saw some sh- flashes here and there, but I don't, it, it just it feels a little bit off. And then, outside of that, I mean, are you really gonna rely on five on five production from like Pierre Engvall? And <laughs> you don't exactly have the best point producers up and down this lineup, so that's part of it too. I mean. I don't know. It's just it like, I guess puck management. You can also say has been horrific. Well, one thing I'm just looking at right now, and I'm just comparing like this year to last year. If you just look at the Leafs and go five on five, and you just do Corsi four per sixty, every player is down almost ten, like ten Corsi per sixty, at oh, minimum. Really? So they're literally just not shooting enough. Yeah, Austin Matthews, 78, only seven games because he was hurt, but 78.71 this year, he is 68.2. Wait, 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 wait. He was definitely not 78. Not percentage, not percentage, just Corsi 4 okay. per 60. Sorry, I, okay, yeah. I said that, Corsi 4 per 60, just so Corsi 4. shot attempts. Shot that's attempts shot. per 60. Total shot attempts, including ones that are blocked. What about exactly. Fenwick, which is shots on net and missed? Fenwick is a little better, but still less. Okay. So like around fifty, but like last year, but so. most of the guys are around forty this year. When I'm looking, I I don't know if you're right about that. No, no. Okay, we're just spreading I mean, all kinds of fake I, okay. Do you want to? Look- <laughs> but yeah, I I I don't know. It, it it this year has just felt odd. They haven't felt like at times last year. At least it was like oh like. They can't get a goal, but you, you feel the chance is coming. You feel that they're outplaying the other team, and they just need to break one open. Like I haven't quite felt. It's felt like they, they're kind of the ice has been tilted the other way, and they're just playing, battling uphill. Yeah, I agree. I, well, I just looked at – maybe I'm wrong, but I looked at Mitch Marner. He has more shot attempts for per minute this year than last year. 277 shot attempts for in 228 minutes. And 1,800 and 1,500 minutes. I don't know. Anyways. But, so. But regardless, I yeah. think. But that's I, those are shot attempts. Are you talking about shot attempts? Corsi or Fenwick? Yeah, Corsi 4. Okay. All I right. Don't know. Anyways. Doesn't matter. We'll figure that I out. Like, but my bit. point is, I look at the, the fancy stats for the top line specifically. They're very similar to last year. A okay. lot of it has to do with finishing. I'm looking in the whole league. I'm looking at expected goals while on the ice. Marner's 15th. Matthews is 18th. Like, that's completely in yeah. the right range, right? There's nothing wrong. 
Last year they might have been top five, both of them, but mm-hmm. it's not yeah. a crazy downturn. Yeah, but just just Mitch Marner, he he like led. He's leading the team right now in Corsi Four. He was sixth, fifth on our team last year. It's sixty six. He he is looking the exact same. But again, Matthews is down. Bunting. Here's another interesting one. So individual expected goals per sixty for Austin Matthews. So that's basically the quality of shot chances that you're getting per 60 minutes of ice time at five on five. Austin Matthews is at 1.39 this year. Last year, he was at 1.26. At the same point. Uh, No, just overall throughout the season. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so... It's a, it's a, it feels like a whole mess of things. I think, like, uh, to summarize what just happened here, it's not just one thing. There's a lot of things that feel off. There's a lot of things that aren't going right for the Leafs. Is it possible that luck hasn't really been on their side? I think so. I think Matthews Definitely. missed a couple wide-open chances more than a few times. And, I mean, when you look at that Anaheim game, that's the one game I just want to I, I wanna go through real quick. And especially from Alex Kerfoot, who's been a very polarizing leaf for the past two years, I would say. Alex Kerfoot, at the beginning of the game, there was a chance. Uh, it was a shot on net. I can't remember from who. Yarncroft. Um, Yarncroft then tipped it oh, sorry, onto yeah. the net, and it went through John Gibson's five hole. And it looked like it was going in, and Alex Kerfoot throws up his hands in celebration, and it misses the net. To quote, just tap it in. Just send him home. Just tap it in. That was unfortunate. And he misses it. And what happens? The puck goes down the other way, and Anaheim ends up scoring. (laughs) One-one game right there. Kerfoot does get a very nice primary assist on the penalty kill. Very nice. But then what happens later in the game? He gets a nice little chance. He gets a break. Anaheim gives him a little slash. And the referees to the puzzling, uh, I don't know, I guess I don't know what the word a good word would be to use. It made no sense that they gave him a penalty shot. Yeah. And guess what? In that scenario, you'd rather him get the penalty because yep. then it's two minutes. You're on the power play. Anaheim's power play sucks. Your power play is pretty good, I would say. It's still it's hasn't been at, at its best, but it's pretty good this year as well. So that's two minutes that Anaheim's probably not going to score on you as well. But instead. A player with bad finishing ability and not the best shootout performer. We did see one goal last year, but not the best shootout performer. Gets a penalty shot, and John Gibson does not flinch on it. And it just, he's, I think it hit John Gibson's glove, whatever, and it goes over the net. And then we end up in overtime. And unfortunately, Trevor Zegers kind of outmuscles Alex Kerfoot on that goal, too. Just the weirdest, and before that play too, Mitch Marner almost buries one for the win after two turnovers that led to goals. That was a great, great save, Johnny Gibson. Johnny Gibson, I, I think he's probably going to get tired of Anaheim soon, but that's a side. Yeah, that's for an, a story for another day. But just the weirdest game on planet Earth. Like, did would you did Alex Kerfoot play well in that Anaheim game? I don't know because like things that happened to him directly led to Anaheim scoring goals. Or not indirectly, sorry. Led to Anaheim scoring goals. Just wild stuff when Uh, you put it all on paper. And you know what? That's also kind of indicative of some of the problem with the Leafs game is like 
Alex Kerfoot is playing 16 minutes. He's playing like a big role for the Leafs, probably mm-hmm. higher than they'd want him to, right? Mm-hmm. So these things are going to become way more noticeable to oh, you yeah. and I. And again, it's not a fault of Alex Kerfoot, right? Like I honestly, again, I he's honestly, doing everything he can. <laughs> I I agree. Alex Kerfoot is not playing bad for the Leafs, but again, he's never going to score more score more than 15 goals. He can't finish. Never. It's a hole. It's a hole in his game. It is what it is. He will never. That's why, like, when when players get like chances, like if Nick Robertson was out there, chance, chance, I'd be like, clip that. I'd be like, look at like it's eventually it's going to break through. Yeah. When it's Alex Kerfoot now, I just go. Maybe I'll clip the tenth one and go. Yeah. Hey, the eleventh will go in. But do you think why like players like that weirdest players? Nothing again. Watch. There's nothing against Kerfoot, but no. a Kerfoot or an Engvall or a Hole. Those three players specifically. Do you think they're blind spots for the Leafs as an organization? Expand a little bit. I think a lot of people have been pointing out some flaws in those players and probably saying these are good guys to move out money to bring in other guys that can more complement the roster. We've been saying Kerfoot should be traded for two years. We've been saying Hall should be traded for a year and a half. And it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, the flaws of the roster, right, like, I think 100%, yeah. I mean, are all those three kind of the same, one and the same? I wouldn't say so. I like Alex Kerfoot a lot more than I like Pierre Engel. I totally agree. I agree. But again, but, the Kerfoot would be the extra so million and a half that the, you should. Yeah, exactly. That's the co- a big one. The common thread between those guys, though, are those are like stamp guys, I think. The Dubis stamp guys. Oh, yeah. Guys that he brought in early on that would like, he wants to work. I don't Justin know if that's Hall, just. 100%. Well, Justin, well, who did, who, how did we get Alex Kerfoot? We yeah, traded Nazem Kadri for him, right? Oh. I think, I think a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> that's to think a good it. point. He's like, the biggest Kyle Dubis guy. Yeah. Like, he has to be, because it's like, if you trade Alex Kerfoot, if you trade Justin Hall, maybe there's like an admitting of, hey, maybe I was wrong about this, but. I don't know. Like maybe I'm reading too much into the situation. Maybe I'm looking a little too deep into things. But that's that's what I think about when I hear all those guys. Because like again, I like Pierre Engvall. I think he's good. I like Alex Kerfoot. I think they're both great. Justin Hall, like sure, he's a good sixth defenseman, as many people on Twitter like to point out. But he's not our sixth defenseman. He's our third defenseman, and that's a problem. Oh, well, he's our two defenseman as of the latest. <laughs> oh, well, he's line two. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's T- been a real big whipping boy. <laughs> Oh, I had yeah. a good game against Anaheim. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, and it, it's didn't do anything wrong, right? He's still like a good player. Like he's a like a he's average. He's no like he's player. average. Yeah. Like he's not like amazing over the top. But like again, you can't have that guy as your first second pairing guy. He eats minutes. No. For you. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't. So. Yeah, it's very noticeable when you have a third pairing guy in a second pairing role. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, oh yeah. And so now we have uh, kind of have two third pairing guys in our top four yeah i also like that like this podcast it hasn't been the most organized so far but that's kind of like reflective of the leafs like there's no there's really not one thing oh this is the problem there's like a lot of problems that are like bubbling oh, yeah. right now it's hard to pinpoint them feels but, like almost a new new problem every game yeah <laughs> like that's why like you think about like your key takeaways from these games it's like there's a lot of takeaways i don't know if any of them are key takeaways though like that hasn't been stuff that we've discussed before of course and that's what's interesting is that if you've listened to this podcast from, again, July, we said this last week. If you listen from July, a lot of the things we're talking about right now, we were saying that. It just, yeah. uh, apparently, it took some really bad performances at 10 p.m. at night when people were a little tired and cranky to realize <laughs> some of the flaws of this team. But kind of pinpointing on one thing would be Sheldon Keefe because a lot of people are very critical with him right now. And he really did his usual blender 
these last couple games. What did you yeah. think about some of the in and out, the mixing of the oh lines? Oh my god! You, do you have an hour? You have as, it's your podcast. You literally yeah. have as long as you want. That Nylander, Malgin, Robertson line, I, I I liked it. Like we saw them work together in the. They scored the a nice pre- little goal. They scored a nice goal. Nylander had two points, two primary assists in that game. He he had a pretty decent game by my standards, I would say. But like, and five on it was a goal of five on five, which does not come easy for the Leafs at all lately. A very nice one. Too. Why would you put that line together? If you have zero faith in them defensively, and another to add on to that, by having zero faith in them defensively, you're then utilizing William Nylander less, which you don't have the depth to be able to do that. He played under 11 minutes at 5-on-5 that game. Is that facts? That is fact. That is a fact. Total, he had about 14 and a half minutes total in that game. You do not have the depth to be able to play. As I don't care what you think about William Nylander. He's a hell of an offensive player. You cannot have him playing 14 and a half minutes in a game. You stuck him with two guys that you evidently hate for God knows what reason. And as a result, you utilized him less and you made him less valuable in this game. The f- the How does that make sense? Like how do you how can you put that on paper and then apply it and then in the third period when you're up up well we can't play a one whole line that we got here just, <laughs> oops just to contextualize that there was 51 minutes of 5 on 5 play so that means that William Nylander played basically what 20% of the no less who, you, who played more than him at 5 on 5 Zach let's read off Lost, lots of guys Reese nice. played more at 5 on 5 than William Nylander we're <sighs> Zach Aston Reese Give me another Pierre name. Engvall. Engvall. Can I say something about Pierre That's Engvall? That's the fourth too? line, by the way. Like, Pierre Is Engvall, it though? <laughs> Pierre Engvall had a horrendous turnover against LA. Yeah. Was he stapled to the bench? Nope. No. He scored after, which is think. the funny part. But yeah. th- this guy's maybe the biggest leash player on the Leafs. I'm sorry. They scratch him for one game. Deservedly so. He's come back and done more of absolutely nothing. He scored. He scored, yeah. How much of that goal are we crediting to him, though? Uh, not much. I yeah. don't want to say nothing. He then drew a penalty against L.A. Like, a big thing that I noticed this year was, like, didn't have as much confidence carrying the puck, which was a big skill set of his last year. I thought he played a little bit better in these two games when he was on the fourth line with David Kampf. But, no, he should not be playing that much. It's crazy. In that Anaheim. And how much? They're paying him $2.25 million now. On the fourth line. On the, like, this guy, this is it's a complete inefficiency. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it is. It is. I mean, I, I, get, I got some more chances. You got some more puck touches on that fourth line playing with David Kampf. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, we're playing people saying, hey, Engvall's going to be able to carry the load that McKay of or like Pierre Engvall, 2.25. He's, we're paying him. He's got to be a 40-point player. Wasn't that said? I know you scoffed at the McKay of part. No, that was Abe Kubel. Oh, yeah. Who, the, who we were told by Sheldon Keefe, and Kyle Dubas that he was going to replace Mikheyev. The, the he, thing he's not even replacing Kyle Clifford. The thing that's also frustrating is like if you just don't do Engvall and you don't do Abe Kubel, you're like 750k from just signing Mason Marchman. Yeah. Just no, think about that money a lot, man. The, think about that. There's a lot. <laughs> no, th- but that one was. No, you're right. There's no. Ex- that was they decided to spend almost four million or three and a half million 
on Pierre Engvall and Nicolas Abe Kubel. Yep. And so nobody five, yeah. say they don't have cap space. That's what they spent 3.2. That's a middle six forward in the NHL. No problem. You can find them. A million guys like that could have signed Frank Vetrano for that. Like you could have signed a lot of guys for that. You could all sign Nino Niederreiter for that. He was four million four on the dot. So close. Like you could like maneuver some contracts there. Yeah, exactly. Like so, the the <laughs> roster's broken, guys. It's broken. I'm sorry. It is broken. It's not constructed properly. End of story. Yep. You're right. And, and then you also, as Joey astutely pointed out, are currently making coaching decisions that are contributing to an even worse roster. You're making coaching decisions that are going against your own beliefs, and so then your utilizations don't match what you have on paper. So it it it's it it to me it's just been that like that third line was just extremely weird. Now they have uh Malgin on the fourth line there and they they put Holmberg as 3C, which was very surprising. I tweeted right when I saw uh, Holmberg getting called up. I'm like, okay, maybe they move him to 4C. They put David Camp to 3C. They want to get David Camp in the 3C role like they did last year. But they put Holmberg at 3C. And, I mean, given Sheldon Keefe's track record with the younger players, like how much of a leash do you think Holmberg has? How quick do we th- see this blender coming out? Probably soon. But, like, like probably... Uh, in an hour. Like, within maybe... I don't know the first. I'm gonna let's say the first two periods because chances are the Leafs might fall behind, and if that happens, they'll the blender will come out. It's like it seems like the, the blender will come out. Just it's all it always it's comes out whenever they're down. So, and then it comes out when they're up too. Who knows? It's like yeah. I don't know. So overall, great on the line. You want to talk the Philip Crawl? Well, yeah. This is more forwards, but I was gonna get into the defenseman situation. Um, do you guys have any more time? Like, let's let's maybe like wrap up the forwards then. Yeah. So the the forwards for. Tomorrow's game, or I guess today's game against Philadelphia, are going to be obviously first line Bunting, Matthews, Marner, second line Kerfoot, Tavares, Nylander. Ever heard that one before? Uh, Engvall, Holmberg, Yarncroc, and then Aston Reese, Camp, Malgin, with Nicholas Robertson as a scratch and Abe Kubel as a scratch. And then the defense are Morgan Riley, Victor Mete, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, Mark Giordano, Rasmus Sandin. Timothy Lilgren is eligible to return this weekend. Is that the worst bottom six of any team trying to be good in the NHL? It could be. <laughs> are are, could are the Ottawa well. Senators trying to be good? Their their bottom six is better. Really? A hundred and fifty percent. Even with Josh Norris injured. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like this is a a weird weird lineup. Like I don't I don't know. I, I I don't even know what to think. Like we saw some weird lines last year and then just some terrible execution. It just feels like ground. Jason, you don't agree about the centers? No, I'm just looking right now. I, I was thinking with Josh Norris not injured, but with him injured, that makes difference, obviously. Big difference, yeah. Because Shane Pinto like was their year. third line center, and I think he has more goals than anyone on the Leafs. Oh, yeah. He probably. does. He, he's really been a big bump up in terms of the uh, Calder that was, rankings. I was more just trying to take a shot at the Ottawa Senators than anything else. Yeah. Why? They've done a great job. I'm sure they have, but it's fun to take shots at other teams. So, but anyways, yeah. uh, just gonna pull my umbrella out after the rain <laughs> on the parade. Um, uh, the forward depth sucks. I don't know what you want me to say. Like it's just not good. Like it's like it's hard to talk about this every day. It's like not every day, but every week. It's like it's just the same thing over and over again. It's not good. And it's yeah. like, hey, well, what, what are they gonna do to address it? And there's nothing you can do to well, address they it. Because did a good thing. 
they called up Nick Robertson. Yeah, there you go. Like that's what three years coming. Like and now, come on. Now how they scratched. executed it. Yeah, like whatever. He scratched out. It's crazy. But I wonder what they're going to do with Holmberg. Maybe he'll look good. So he had two points in seven games in the NHL. Yeah, he's he's looked better than that from what I've heard. I haven't gotten a an extremely good look, but. Um, yeah, two points in seven games so far, unfortunately. I don't know if this is galaxy brain, but like it feels like they always put together the Nylander curve. Not always. I don't know. It just feels like they, the Nylander Tavares curve line is like plays the most at home than more at home than it does on the road. I don't know if that's like, a, I don't know. I, that's just something that goes through my head. It seems like whenever we're at home, maybe it's just literally because this game it's at home. I don't know. Um, something to look into. I don't know what the reason behind that would even be. Just something that I. That's interesting. Think about it in my head. I have a question for you. Sure. Is Michael Bunting setting up to be a trap signing for the Leafs? Traps? How has he played this year when not played with Matthews and, and Marner, you think? Um, I thought when he was on the third line that game, actually we, we missed that shuffle, but I believe it was against San Jose. I thought he had a pretty a couple pretty good chances. I thought he played all right in that one. Okay, so you it's, think he can be successful as like a four five million dollar player autonomously from Matthews and Marner? Do like, you think he so returns this, value on that? Like four, around four. Okay. I'm just maybe I'm just even asking. less. A little less. Three, three and a half, four ish. Honestly, I feel like it's still, I thought he played well. It's still too early to tell, I think. Because yeah. like the sample size of that is just still too small. Because I also think he's had a lot of chances that if he buried, this season would look quite different. Oh yeah. He's had especially against Anaheim. He was the primary He's I mean, he, he might was lead like the, the primary Leafs. shooter. He might leave the lead the Leafs in individual expected goals, if I had to guess. Probably. Let's see. And a lot of that is he he's lives around the net, but um, Yeah. And he's missed but a it's, lot it's been the net. it's been he's noticeable. Just below Matthews. He's second to Matthews. Yeah by a little bit there. Huh, but, that's so weird. The two guys who play with Mitch Marner have the like by far the highest individual expected goals. Maybe no, there's something that the expected goals doesn't. Hmm. Anyways. Doesn't what? Pre-shot yeah, movement. But what's what does that have to do with that? Like it doesn't it doesn't go to the guy who's like setting up those chances. It's oh. benefiting oh, yeah, the, no. For, the yeah. Well, that's the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. To it. yeah. Well, Anyways. we do have actually set up data here if you have a yeah, a moment. that was well, the best segue of all the time. The setup data is exactly what you think the setup data is. So this is. is from Cam Charon. Um, awesome follow on Twitter if you haven't. Uh, he has, uh, let's see, chances he's, set up. There we are. So he he hand tracks. He's a former Leafs analyst. He hand tracks every single game. Um, I took all the, the game data, and I have, have it in a, a Google Sheet right here. Uh, and it's summarized, and this is the per 60, chances per 60 uh, rankings for the Leafs right now. Number one is Mitch Marner with 8.94. So 8.94 scoring chances set up per 60. Per 60. Okay. Yes, and number two is Philip Kral, <laughs> obviously small sample size. And then number three is Austin Matthews at 5.84. So how much does William Nylander have? Like what is his setup per 60? 4.89. So half of Mitch Marner? Yeah. Just so a, when a people wonder time. why that they don't, that their idea to make Matthew start scoring isn't to take Marner and switch him with Nylander, yeah. do you think that has anything to do with it? It's a huge thing. Can and he, then chances taken per 60, William Nylander 11.75, and then Matthew's 12.47. Can you also do the entry stuff too? Yeah, I have that as well. Um, in terms of. Oh, Matthews has been very bad this year in terms of entries. So Matthews hasn't been that good, right? So in terms of entries, up until this past week, Austin Matthews has not been very good at uh, zone entries 
I would say. Uh, to me, like small thing I test, I don't know. He hasn't really entered the zone with a ton of speed. He goes right at the defenders, it seems like, as well. But this past weekend, he did a little bit better. Um, I have it right here if you want to filibuster. Yeah, let's hear it. Do you have chances cool. off of con- off of entries too, or no? It's I, just, no, I it's don't just, think I have that quick, one. Quickly to let you pull that up, I was just looking at with and withouts for Michael Bunting. It's tough because he only played 204 minutes, which I don't think is a large enough sample. This is including last year, um, and he wasn't playing with. I mean, I guess the whole idea is that you'd want him to drive the line no matter who he's playing with because he's playing bottom six minutes and with bottom six players against bottom six players, but. 46% uh or sorry 48% Corsi 4 percentage um expected goals 47.5 uh high danger chances 46.15 well i mean who's the i like well the idea was that it doesn't not that it doesn't matter it should matter but like i it was whoever he was playing with last year and this year i don't know who who yeah, is i mean sorry playing with without Matthews and Marner it's playing with like the bottom six guys. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But, <laughs> but the whole in terms idea- of controls, control entries, which yeah. I have up here, um, number one on the team this year has been Kerfoot. Wow. Controlled entries. Per 60. Yes. He has a pretty high fail rate, though. And number two is Mitch Marner, just behind him by a little bit. Number three is John Tavares. Number and, four is William Nylander. Right. And so do you think those things contribute to why that they wouldn't split that pairing out? Probably would be a massive. <laughs> so when you look at those numbers, do you think it's possible that the issue with the first line is almost all rooted in the fact that Michael Bunting and Austin Matthews have combined for seven expected goals at five on five and have scored two? Exactly. Yeah, that's okay. pretty much it. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page. So that's a minus. Wow. So honestly, there's some things that are unlucky about the Leafs, and that is one of them. And those guys are going to score a lot of goals soon. Yeah, for sure. Those guys aren't going to – they're both rocking a 5% on ice shooting percentage. They're going to score a lot soon. That's something that's just going to regress back hard. But mm-hmm. that's kind of what – this is like a little tangent, but that kind of scares me because even though these guys are nasty and it's awesome that we have them, I feel like part of it, it masks the underlying problems that we have right now. It's a great point. And if – like last year, a similar thing happened. It was like this situation we're in is much worse than last year. I'm like kind of tangent tan- on a tangent right now. But this situation is worse than last year. If you just look at the underlying numbers, we're not producing the same amount as we were last year, right? Not even like close. 5% difference in Corsi 4%, like 5% difference in expected goals. Like we were 55% expected goals last year. We were like among the top three teams in the league. Yeah. Right now we're like middle to like To be fair the to the Leafs, they, were, they smashed the regular season last year. I know it gets lost because the playoffs, they lost in game seven against Tampa. They smashed the regular season last yeah, year. Yeah, and they like, even though they... That was the best regular season they've ever had. I, yeah. I remember us talking about it. Like they were like looking good, but they weren't good, right? Like they were just losing. Like the seven one game stuck sticks out in your mind so much against Pittsburgh. Like they lost that game. They looked terrible. But like all the other games, they looked like good. They were generating. It, it, it lined up. Like, remember, things were lining up. In, like to do game well. seventy, we went on a list. Like how many games have the Leafs like clearly lost the expected goals? But it was like ten yeah. max. Yeah. They've probably lost five or six already this year. Yes. Yeah. It's so been very close. It's yeah. evident All of them have been very, very, very close. Exactly. It's evident that this team is no not as good as last year. And like the si- the warning signs like from last year, I feel like we weren't they weren't even there. Like the sorry, the warning signs like were partially there. Yeah. Because the Nylander Tavares line was a problem at five on five, right? And now when you have a bottom six that's not being supplemented by a, a guy who like like not dominates five on five, but isn't good in those lower minutes, even though he only played fifty one games, Andre Cash and 
uh, Ilya Mikheyev and Jason Spezza. When you lose those guys Spezza's. who are... Who, yeah. Luke Fox was on Fan 590 this morning. He was saying, in terms of the room like and the voices in the room, Spezza not being there every day really hurts them. So I Wayne, really, Simmons, Wayne Simmons is there, but he's not playing every game. Like, How much can he really say? I really hope what Jason's theory, which is a pretty, I think, probably right theory, that Spets, they kind of force Spets into retirement is. I really hope that's not true. I really I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Because but. with all due respect to Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford, if you're okay having those guys come back for another world, it's unacceptable to not allow Jason Spets to come back. Also five points away from 1,000 points too. That one yeah. kind of hurt me too, that, the 1,000 yeah. points thing. 100%. Just to be able to do it in the Leafs sweater too would have been nice. Oh, and then just quickly, you want to just read those? I can't see. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, to back those numbers up, right now the Leafs, as you know, they're in terms of points, they're eighth in their division, 19th in the NHL right now, so not in a playoff spot. They're 29th in goals for, with, but they're 30th in finishing. So those two things correlate. Like, yeah. that's going to come up. But they're only 17th in expected goals for. Not in the top half of the league. For the Toronto Maple Leafs, with the amount of firepower they have to not be in the – top half of the league and expect the goals for is crazy. I think Joey's made some good points about they're not doing a good enough job getting to the high danger areas like in terms of the forward so far. Yeah, exactly. Like and winning puck battles in front of the net, like the, I don't know. There just hasn't been enough garbage kind of tip goals even like you, you see them on the power play from Tavares, but outside of him who around the net is really a good finisher. No, Michael Bunting hasn't been. That's he's been missing the net. So there's yeah. one, and then Matthews is pretty good in front of the net. Like, I don't know. I know Nylander takes a lot of volume shots, and he, he I mean, he's tied for the Leafs' lead, the the Leafs' lead in points with ten and ten right now. So he's not he's not playing bad at all. But like, he is pretty good in front of the net as well when he gets there, and when he's not shooting a ton of pucks at the net, right? So I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's that's probably a terrible point. But no, no. anyways. <laughs> the 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 point though that the overarching point that we're trying to make though is that we're worried that like again our depth scoring is not good enough and like I'm personally worried that it's going to get masked by the fact that our top line is not playing well and when they start to play well, which they evidently will. We all agree that they're going to play well, they're going to be better. They all, they will be better for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to mask those problems that we have in the bottom six. And that's just like that's a problem because this team is not right now going to win a Stanley Cup. And it doesn't matter about the first round. I don't give a crap about that. I don't care what round we go out in. The round, I, don't, I just don't want to lose four, four games in one round of a, of a playoff series, of a, of a playoffs. That's, that's all I care about. Yeah. That's all I care about, okay? I don't care if we win out of the first round. Maybe we will. I, honestly, chances are no changes are made right now this year and the Leafs get, get out of the third round, or sorry, out of the first round just because that's the way things are. You know, that's the way we are. This team definitely, I can confidently say, will not win a Stanley Cup the way it's built right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's rough. It's early. It's early. It's early. Let's 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 pump the brakes. Well, I, I agree with that. I don't. Think, I don't think this. I don't think, I don't think this team is a good definitely enough Stanley not Cup. built to win uh, to go all the way right now. Definitely not. Yeah, right. Right now, I mean, right now, like I can. There's I, a lot of room holes. to grow. They're right now, holes. they're is, not. Is the East or West better? The East is better. East, East is better. Okay, way better. The West, I would take Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, and. Colorado off the top of my head to beat the Leafs in a seven game series in the in in the Stanley Cup Finals without a doubt. As like, of today, I I would yes. agree. I mean, Colorado's four four and one. I'm, yep. Yeah. They also lost Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah. So that while. would be like taking Mitch Marner. Just you're gone. See you yeah. Later. So 
They got us. They still got to They got to grind to get in the playoffs. Who Colorado? I, I'm not worried about Colorado. Standings don't mean anything until like 40 games into the season, honestly, because like we're at the point right now. Well, two, we're talking about the Leafs. Like he's right. You, if you're going to bring up the Leafs, you no, you're right. Colorado. You're right. Well. They're they're doing we're just the same poorly. point percentage, right? But they they are struggling in the same some similar areas that. How do how do I put this? They they are also one of the worst shooting percentage teams in the NHL right now. So that's yeah. something that's probably going to regress back for them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try and put, pull up their underlying numbers in a second. Anyways, so. What I did want to pull that up, I did want to mention here. So, so in terms of the Leafs lineup and what they have right now with the players that they have on the roster right now, what would your or who would they have under contract right now? What would be your ideal lineup? Yeah, I I think it'd be close to what the Stars game was, which was Robertson playing with Tavares and Nylander. I like that line. I like how they played together. I don't know why they broke them up. Like I, I don't. Um, and then I, I would probably do Yarncroc, Kerfoot, and Alex Steves. But also, I'm going to also throw something in where I don't mind splitting up Nylander and Tavares that much. I just don't think Nylander should play center. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he should play 14 minutes. <laughs> so Me and you both. Another possible thing would be possibly trying Nylander on the first line with Matthews and Marner. I think that is another thing they could try that would be interesting. And then I would play bunting with Tavares and could be Robertson. Could, like, I, I, again, it's hard because they're, they're... So we did see that line together for an extended period of time against the Florida Panthers when Michael Bunting got injured last year, if you remember. So they had the puck. Well, they, they played them all offensive zones, all offensive zone starts, and they had the puck what seemed like for the entire game. Like the ch- the amount of chances that they got relative to how many puck touches they had, I I think was pretty low. But they did get they did get some pretty good chances. I would say they do have chemistry together, and we did see last year sometimes where Sheldon Keefe would throw out Nylander and put those three together to try to juice up the game. And we haven't really seen that much this year outside of when uh, we get the old uh, Marner on defense there. Has that happened since then? Yes, it did. L.A. Kings five minutes left. How'd it go? I went okay. Okay, I mean, we saw Marner jump up a little bit more, but it, it resulted. I was in busy watching the yes. actual good team yeah, from LA that team. I work for. I oh. work for. I root for. I think you do work for them. You, you're just basically, not getting paid yeah. for it. No, honestly, basically, <laughs> number one promoter there. Um, but yeah, I think that was so, so. Let's theorize it. So then you go like Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Okay, so then you do Tavares, Bunting, and then. Would it be? How about how about then we do Tavares, S- uh, Steve's Yarncroc, and you do Kerfoot, Bunting, Robertson. Uh, Kerfoot, Bunting, Robertson. Yeah. Or if you don't want to do Steve's, you could do Engvall, Tavares. Engvall, Tavares. Roberts. I don't know. It's like such a blender. I really don't know. Yeah. I I kind of. It's pretty jumpy. I've just told you seven different combos. So I'm going to actually backtrack all of it. Okay. I, I, I'm going to, I don't know. You guys put me in a blender. Jason, you go. I actually okay. don't know. You know why? Because I want to split up Nylander and Tavares, but I think that would make you, uh, you should do, if you're going to split them, I liked how Robertson, Kerfoot, Nylander has always looked. I think that line is pretty good. Robertson, Kerfoot, Nylander. And then I think it should be Tavares with Yarncroc and then someone with some impact. They don't have that guy right now. Though. Yeah, that's the issue. But, but they should have dragged Matthew Nyes' 
behind out of university with like no matter what. I know it's Minnesota. It's not even Arizona State. Like, what are you doing? Someone else jump in here because you're letting me ramble so, without a, any coherent thoughts. Jason, give me something. Yeah, this is the fun part of hockey theorizing where you just take archetypes of players and pull up the roster I gave what, you on cap friendly from July. That's what I want. Would you swap bunting? Would you put bunting on the second line, put Nick Robertson on the first line? Yeah, why not? I don't know. I'm just that'd be fun. throwing out ideas. I, I wouldn't have Robertson scratched. That's for <laughs> sure. He would not be scratched. <laughs> I don't think any of us would. No, not at all. I don't think any. I don't. It's hard to. I be. I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find a Leafs fan. Actually, no. I'll take that back. There's probably like a bunch of boomers. Honestly, I don't think so because he's like new blood. He's worked hard when he's played and he scored. And he's a little heavy. Takes hits. Also, like if you were like a casual fan, doesn't he have like four points in six games? That's true. That's something you look at. He has four points in six games. Engvall has one goal in nine games. Like why is he coming out? Aston Reese has zero. Like. Or maybe has won some. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. He has whatever. He's been whatever. But yeah, I mean that's that's all very true. I mean, um, I I, I kind of like like I think you really need to put in order to maximize Kerfoot's value, and so that you don't see him getting seven hundred chances and no goals, you need to put him with some sort of a shooter. Like him and Cal Yarncroft work. You just need to find that left winger that that and works. They ha- which they they have it. They haven't been able to. Like, that's where I was curious. Maybe, like, what if Holmberg, Kerfoot, Yarncroft worked, but they're putting Kerfoot up with Tavares, Nylander. Is I Matthew, mean, like, I know we just said that, but Matthew Nice is that player. No, that would work yeah, on that line. Probably. Like, probably, like, archetype-wise. Like, we obviously don't know what he looks like in the NHL, but. Yeah. Uh, like, it sounds yeah, like it like, sounds like the guy you were describing is Matthew Nice without describing him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear another funny thing. Guess who is leading the Marlies right now in points for this past month for October? I don't even know. Joey Anderson. Curtis yeah. Douglas. Yeah. Joey Anderson. He didn't, look, he didn't look good. He, he was a zero. He, he's like an older AHL guy. 98 you know? born. Not that old. You're right. Not that old. But it's just like it's happened two years in a row where he gets sent down after preseason after not doing anything, and then he just scores so much. But – I think speed is a little bit of an issue. He's not that physical, and so it's like, what do you do, right? You don't have the most prolific skill set, so you ca- get caught in that tweener kind of uh, stage, and then, you know what? Uh, kind of like the Brooksy area. Adam Brooksy, yep. Uh, what are your lines? Because I think Jason and I both contributed no no Scrambled thoughts? <laughs> Honestly, like we actually should apologize to – Shelton Keefe right now because clearly his job, well, I've, <laughs> job will, is a lot more I, difficult. I will <laughs> say I have seen a lot of people on Twitter make that point. What? That as much as we don't like what Sheldon Keefe is doing, some of the players that he's the doing. ammo that he's been given are not he's got, he's got blanks. Yeah. They got blanks loaded in the gun. And so then his execution of said lines, do you think it's been – do you think the execution and the theory of the execution has then been – off or do you think because the lines are flawed you're putting together then therefore by automatic a flawed lineup yeah and I, then your execution is kind of just my biggest flawed. criticism is he jumbles the lines way too much yeah. it's every single game i would have kept bunting matthews marner robertson Tavares, nylander after that stars game that i watched they should have played the next 10 games together no matter what yeah. Those two lines. It lasted two. And then guess what? Everyone in the bottom six gets to fight. And that's what it looked like they were and doing. You know, know what else? Guess who was the only line to score against the Vegas Golden Knights? 
It was Robertson. I it was the Robertson that was a great, line. That's a great goal too. <laughs> Off from William. Something Elander. that he's done well, Robertson. That like he's a shooter, but he's made some good tight. So he gets the puck along the boards and like he'll like take a hit and just get absolutely yeah. thumped. Some tight area, but good then plays. the puck will then free up to the another player, and it's like like he, he his biggest flaw is obviously physicality. He's five nine. Yeah, I I don't think he weighs more than one sixty five soaking wet. But right? he gives it. But he gives every single shift. Which is why I don't understand why he scratched. But yeah, that's kind of a weird one. But so, in terms of to summarize what we've come to, are there is there an ideal line? Yeah, I think it's back to what I originally said. I think it's the stars line. It's the top six. It's yeah. Kerfoot, Yarncroft, and somebody better than Engvall. No offense to Engvall, that guy doesn't exist. Offensively better than Engvall. So I would look at Alex Steves. Yes, I think if you want to take a look at. Pontus Holmberg on that line, even playing center. I think I'm fine with that too. And then the fourth line is a rotation of the, the rest of the I players. think the fourth line, you'll get a lot more impact if it's Pierre Engvall and David Camp, and then the other one, who cares, kind of thing. Yeah. One of those I, rotating door guys that, like, that we have. But and, and I, I like Engvall and Camp on the fourth line have made an impact. And it's yeah. shown up in the scores. Like it's shown up in the, the I got a good one. underlying this guy. I know you got a lot of money in Chicago, but. If Colin Blackwell was still on the team on that fourth line, you'd probably like that fourth yeah. line a lot better. I like, I'm, a, I'm a Colin Blackwell fan. Because I think they played a little bit together, those three. A little, very little it bit was, last year. The good, the good of it together was Blackwell, Spezza, and then someone else. I can't remember who the third person was in the playoffs. We'd have to look that up. Also, one guy who's like... Kosh, Kosh maybe. We, we don't even who? talk. Andre Kosh? Yes, oh, that's who it was. Right. That was our ideal lineup in the playoffs. You're correct. That's one, a good memory. One guy that we don't even bring up because he's not even sniffing is Nicholas Aubé-Coubel has been a complete bust. Horrible. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. But he's hey, we can, zero. we can bury him. Has he, he gotten a shot on net out. yet? Has uh, he, got- he has two shots in six minutes. <laughs> okay, there we are. Oh God. Yeah. Sheesh. It's been it's been pretty bad. Honestly, not surprising. Like You're losing the expected goals battle like just barely winning them when you replace Andre Cash and... Ilya Mikheyev with yeah. Abe Kubel. Well, one thing I forgot Axel to say, Kampf and Engvall together did draw two penalties against LA. And one of them led to the Tavares I goal. think Kampf and Engvall together makes a lot they of work. sense. They oh, work. They work. Fourth I, line. But I think, unfortunately, you're then paying two-thirds of a fourth line $3.75 million. Yeah. I, again, you're missing, <laughs> you're, missing, you're missing two impact wingers on your team right now, for sure. And maybe a third-line yeah. center, depending on what you do. Like. So I think if you add one impact winger, then like there's there's a trickle down effect. Yeah. But it have to be a good. You can't add like a, yeah. an impact, a decent third line winger, and it have to be expect, a second third or second exactly. Yeah. Or if you add a third line center, like a good one. Yeah, and who that is exactly? Max Domi. No. No. Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. Oh. Now we're cooking. But yeah. But that's that was a long winded answer about the forwards. Do you want to move on to the defenseman? Uh, yeah, well, you want to talk about the Marner stick smash thing? No, I just think that it's literally insane that people. Well, like, no, it's it's funny because like, no, it's a lose it's a lose lose scenario for him no matter what. Because if you were to like, I don't know, smash a stick on the bench, break something on the bench, people would call him a baby for breaking stuff for being benched. Okay, even though he wasn't doing it because he got benched, he did it because he knows he messed up and created a turnover that caused the goal, which obviously he's not happy about. But instead, he goes down the tunnel because he probably wants to avoid the media spotlight of him breaking stuff on the bench. And people are like, why are you going down the tunnel? You're a baby. Blah, blah, blah. Like, 
How what do we know he smashed a stick, though? Well, he brought a stick with him. What, and if, they... what if he was... Uh... Go take a shit. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe he didn't get benched. Maybe he just had to go do a do a Tua. But, um, a Tua. A Tua. Tua. Oh. Yeah. But, um, well, Lamar Jackson situation. That yeah, exactly. Could, yes. That but, could have been interpreted horribly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Glad we clarified that one. <laughs> um, but people... There's some people in Toronto who don't like certain players. Yeah, and, and that's, that's you're not going to change evident. their opinion. No, of course, exactly. but just again, it's just a silly scenario that people are like peddling, and it's like, it's the market that they play in, though. It, yeah, I know. I know but, the people in the media say, "Oh, it's not our fault." Like you, they do contribute a significant amount yeah. to a hundred percent, and also like, the, I feel like the problem of the media. This is just like another separate tangent. I love going on tangents today, but like, half of the media is like so insanely pro Leafs. And then the other half is like so Im- yeah. insanely against the least. And I there's agree, like yeah. no middle ground. There's, there's no middle ground. Like, I'm know. sure th- your buddy Alex Moretto has a different opinion. <laughs> what do he say? He thinks they're a PR for there's like they're the a PR firm well, like, for the Leafs and they're owned by Rogers Media. And who owns the Leafs? Rogers Media. And they all just prop up Kyle Dubas. That's that's how it should be. It is not. But it's not it's like not. that. And I, but I do think there, there is. There's a few people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's gr- people on both sides. Like obviously, like Steve if that Sarah, was we know. true, I'm sorry. Why would they be requesting to interview Kyle Dubas after they lost Anaheim? If it was like, oh, Rogers runs the team and they get to control, why would you request the GM an interview and then he that he has to decline? And then every paper and article writes that. Yeah. How does that make sense? He's, he's also a, so a worst dictator. So it's like I've ever heard. his opinion oh. of this is obviously very skewed on it. Like, but. It's it's partially true when you like from the outside looking in when you see like the the main figureheads on Twitter are basically like ex- insanely pro Leafs like who are reporters for the Leafs they are insanely pro which is fine I, about, I think James Merrill does a pretty good job yeah there's other guys though who I think are Siegel doesn't he, Siegel's roasting the Leafs Siegel's Luke, roasting fair. Luke you know Fox has been roasting it's, you're the talking Leafs. about the Twitter Twitter yeah honestly yeah. I think maybe I'm just getting it's the you're Toronto Maple the, you like the Toronto Maple Leafs here's a tweet from someone who else likes the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, I've been getting a lot recently. Is Elon Musk? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Well, it's because he that's he that's them. the propaganda machine yeah. working. That guy makes me want to s- s- do something. Uh, to also, that. one anyways. sorry, go ahead. Continue. I was just gonna say he's bringing Vine back. We're a fan of that. No, one Anti-TikTok. other one other leaf thing was nah. Marner, Marner related. I'm sorry, Sheldon Key. If you're gonna bench a guy, and then not because <laughs> you bench them, but after you bench them, you get Sheldon get scored on, and it's three three, and then you're like, oh wait, like. We need you to score. And then you're like the first guy out on three on three. If I was that guy, I'd be like, what are you? I'd almost rather just just bench me. Whatever. And again, how is Dennis Mulligan not out there on three on three? That's like the the prime three on three player. I mean, the Leafs did have one guy stay on for like two and a half minutes at three on three. Two minutes exactly. was was Austin Matthews. That was egregious. That was crazy. That was terrible. That's just selfish. I'm sorry. I know you're trying to do a lot. You haven't produced as much as you should but staying out there for two minutes at five on at three on three your dog did at one end and then you got the puck and you had a chance to then cycle back and like throw it back to the defense and get a change and you just stayed out there like i know they almost scored on that play yeah that doesn't matter like that's selfish and but what do you like if you're gonna bench like i remember kucherov got benched for a whole third period you've seen alex ovechkin one shift that was so stupid yes it's like almost it's crazy. He didn't want to have to walk back more comments. He, Sheldon Keefe shouldn't be worried about losing that game. The game was pretty much already lost. Like it seemed like he was worried about losing it. Which oh, is, wasn't they were up three two in that game? 
when they benched him, they were up three two. Then no, they then no, got no. scored on two shifts after. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But yeah, like the the decision to bring goal. him back is is what I'm saying is that like that's at that point you're like all right, I want to win this game. Instead, it should have been like I don't give a crap. I got to find another way than like playing Mitch Marner to win this game. That's it's what also like I'm sorry if you were accountability general Keith, like Justin Hall would be sat in the press box. Yeah, in the press box. He obviously has his favorite students like every teacher has so like and it's evident which who, I don't, who they I don't are. know if, well yes okay so I mean that, he's that, playing that, on the first yes, line sorry right I, I misspoke when I no, 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 dismissed your point there but no. I think also it's just more so of a fear of players that he's not really used to yeah like I guess he, he, he has had Justin Hall with him for like seven years now it's a crutch it's crazy it's yeah. like this it's crutch and then like on top of like what are you gonna play Mete more minutes it's like, apparently well, now they are well, now they are, yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. But Chances are all those lines are going to play the like 20 minutes each. We'll see. Can we move on? Let's to, move let's on to the, to the D. Defense. Speaking of the defense. I think that's a sneaky, big, almost bigger problem right now. Oh, yeah. In like, what way? They can't get the puck it's out of their own. a terrible decor right now? Like, I don't know. Yeah, more it's not good. Fair it's, enough. It yeah. was, Justin was Hall's playing leaky. too much. Morgan yes. Riley is not playing well. That's like, an understatement. And they're having to play Victor Mete or Philip Kral. And they, uh, those are not guys they clearly want to play if they're cycling them in and out of the lineup. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't know. I Again, the way their decor is built right now without Jake Muzzin is completely flawed. Brody Hall. Oh, and then it's yeah, Riley so, Mete. So, okay, sorry. One, so, so, it's Brody. Sandine. Yeah, there. So Bra- Brody Paul, Hall, yeah. Riley Mete, Gio Sandine. So, I'm going to do the math here. The Leafs don't have that many good right-sided defenseman, right? Yes. Yes. And the, who's the best one of them all? TJ Brody. And, by a country and, mile. And what position is he playing coming into this Left game? Left D. Okay. Kind of funny when you spell it out like that. Yeah, it's hilarious because you'd think, especially considering <laughs> Timothy Lilligan coming back soon, like he's expected, like we don't know when he's going to come back. Possibly he's he's skating he with played, the team. He played, he's games elig- the, he played games for the Marlies. Exactly. He's eligible to come back now. Yeah. You'd think that... In in turn with Jake Muzzin out, we would our prior number one priority with that this decor right now with the thinking about the future would be making sure Rasmus Sandin can play the left side. But where, yeah, right because Jake because Jake Muzzin's hurt, right? So Riley Giordano, Sandin, yeah, and the op like they've had ample opportunity to do that, and the second you you free, but well, we've been talking about freeing Brody from Riley for a while. The second you get rid of Brody and Riley. You put Brody on the left side. It just doesn't make any sense. How is this yeah, good? It was one tough game. There was a t- uh, that LA game was tough for that pairing, the uh, Sandine Hole pairing, and then they just fully went to the blender against Anaheim. I mean, my I don't know. Like it's it's one game. Like I understand your right side is Hole is being overplayed there. I thought Sandine was playing well before that. It is kind of funny though. Like I missed the game uh, on Saturday um, and I watched it over. Monday, and then I finished it up today. And it's funny when you're a game behind everyone else because on Monday I was hearing Sandine has been awful. Like, Sandine hasn't been good. And I watched Sunday. I was like, I thought Sandine was was pretty decent Sunday. He's been pretty good before that. And then you watch the L.A. game. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that's why they're saying that. I think he was good <laughs> up until that game. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But exactly. This, yeah. There's... It's, uh, it's a tough mix without Jake Muzzin. I, I one thing I do want to bring up. So games without Jake Muzzin, have they? Yeah, they've they've won a game without Jake. They won uh, Dallas and Winnipeg without Jake Muzzin. Has it been more noticeable that 
cross ice passes and passing activity in the defensive zone has increased since he's been out. I'm I'm seeing that. Yeah, it's hundred percent. It's an eye test thing. I really want to see if we can get some numbers on it, but I really think passing activity in the defensive end has increased a lot. And when you look at those LA goals, I realize some of them were on the penalty kill, but turnovers and the one timers that were able to occur. I mean, Stamsonov made a couple big saves too. Yeah, I, I think if you. I don't know what Cam Charon's numbers do, but I like what is where did Muzzin rank on like defensive touches and stuff like that? I don't know exactly how he tra- he tracks those things, but Muzzin is responsible for dead ending a lot of plays in our defensive zone. Like yeah. that's just the simple part of it. And like he wasn't like I'm not gonna lie, he wasn't terrific before, uh, like before he went out. Like he didn't have a very good start to the season, but he brings steadiness that you don't quite notice. Yeah, I, absolutely. Also, I hate to say it, but Mark Giordano has not looked that good. No, he hasn't been that that good. And his playing time has gone down as well. Ooh, this Played more in the Anaheim game. Yeah. Uh, D zone touches per 60. Muslim was at 51.1, which is behind Mete Giordano. His turnover rate was 6.8, though, which is high. Yeah, he was turning the puck over a ton. Yeah. But uh, in terms of. Yeah, exits and with control wasn't very high either. Um, I think it was just more so in terms of like blocking passes. Yeah, I, I thought that's what that meant, but that's not no, exactly what that meant. It's not. So yeah, this yeah a lot a lot of problems with this decor. It's uh, it's, it's, it's definitely flawed. flawed. And can, go ahead. Can I make one point about your guy Morgan Riley? You know why I think they may like him a lot. Let's hear it. They know exactly what he is. Do they? Yeah. Okay, let's hear. What, what, Just an what offensive defenseman. But why don't, do they do why they don't think they that, pay though? him like that? Well, may, they might have. They might have thought he. That's what an offensive defenseman's worth. It's a little high. That's a lot, but yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Why do you think? What makes you? Like, what makes your mind go to that? Well, he plays with our most steady defensive defenseman. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, usually, yeah. To start this but, year, I mean that that. That is true. They did try to force it, though. They put him with Sandine. Now they're putting him with Mete. Yeah, so I was about they to put s- him on the right side. <laughs> so what? <laughs> it's been. I just put in a hype. Like, also, one thing about Morgan Riley, you have to say, when you look at the other defensemen on the team, he's very durable. You got to. Oh give yeah, him for that. sure, he's for sure. Very. He very plays eighty-two durable. games. That's yeah, he, that's important. He hasn't missed time since was sure it eighteen nineteen or nineteen twenty? Nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I actually do not remember him ever missing a game. Honestly, and I'm sure he's, he's played he, probably 95 percent. Yeah. yeah, after his 72 point season, he came. He got injured during that year, and he was playing horrible. And then they were just like, "Okay, you got to take a seat. You look terrible." Yeah. So, but since then, he hasn't really missed anything. Speaking of Morgan Riley, I think I touched on this a bit last podcast. I can't remember. I've been texting you guys about this, but this this team hasn't done a good enough job of, like you said, getting the lead. But another thing they haven't done a good job of is maintaining that lead. So, I don't think they have... no. Every like, single game this year, at some point, they have been trailing. Yeah, so they've been trailing, and like whenever they're leading, they haven't scored, they haven't scored at 5-on-5 five five yet when leading, it looks like. Whoa. Yeah. No. Wow. Zero <laughs> goals when leading at 5-on-5. Five five. So, a little, like, maybe touching on a little bit of our problems. Like, uh, some of that is luck. Like, they've not, it's not like they have zero expected goals. They, like, they're hovering around, like, one one and a half expected goals in like about 38 minutes, just looking at individual players right now. I'm not looking at the full team. Um, but what I'm going to get at here is Morgan Riley on the ice in 10 games. 
when leading, 32 minutes on the ice while leading. Okay? We haven't been leading for a lot. It's a small sample. I get it. He's been on for six goals against. In 32 minutes? In 32 minutes. When, when the team is leading, it's almost getting to the point now. And it's not even like, sure, I'm sure like his, his expected goals is low against, right? But he's losing the expected goal battle. He's like getting destroyed in the Corsi 4 battle. 34% Corsi 4. He is like, at what point, like, it's almost like dangerous to put him on the ice when we're leading. At what point is like, is that gonna is that ever gonna change? Like, I don't know. What do you guys like? I'm you, trying to. You know what I'm thinking of? I miss our playoff decor. That was against Tampa. Like, what they did that that was impressive. Was it like was healthy. Jake Muzzin. Healthy Jake Muzzin with Brody, Riley with Labushkin, Giordano with Hall or Lilligren. That yeah. was a that. You know what? That was we were lucky with that. We were we lucky. Were. And I mean, it's crazy. Complained about Labushkin, but it's cra- that's crazy. Uh, now they're saying, how did Kyle Dubas get rid of Ilya Labushkin? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, because I'm just thinking of the ideal decor. I still think it's Muzzin with, um, with Brody when he's healthy. I really do, because that's a legit yeah, shutdown. It's a pair, shutdown so. pairing. The problem is then you have Riley Hall, which I guess isn't terrible. Yeah, it's just the guy. And then Giordano, Lilligren, or Giordano, Sandin. Yeah. I mean, we we just gotta pray that when like Lilligan comes back, he can like be a like he can just maintain Morgan Riley. Because the thing is, is like TJ Brody's not having a good year, mm. and he has mm. it's just the goals battle. He has been on the ice for three, four, his, eight against. He's the, the best five, defense, but yes, he has been he's been very steady back there. Yes, and I'm not saying I'm just talking about underlying numbers wise, and I I think we talk. Pull up, pull up the numbers if I'm if I'm looking at this. Maybe some of that's playing with your, with Morgan. That's right? my point. Yeah, yeah. Is like, yeah. The reason why he's given up he have, eighteen five on five goals against, and Morgan Riley's been on the ice for twelve of them. Yes. Yeah. So, the reason why his exp- his like fancy stats numbers aren't there. There. No. You know what? After after this, I didn't look at this. Like after this, uh, the last two games, they have gotten a lot better. Uh, his expected goals yeah. number, expected goals fifty three percent, Corsi four fifty three percent. It's like. He's not a good defensive defenseman when he plays with Morgan Riley. I don't think anyone is. No, I, I, he's always a good defenseman. No, okay. His numbers he, don't reflect His numbers that. do not reflect that. Yeah, I just so it's to like, reframe how so you're saying that. My, my point is that he's better utilized away from Morgan Riley because he can actually be like a legit shutdown. For sure. For like sure. block the other team from getting any scoring chances when their best he's players are. He's not a band-aid. Exactly. Like I'm hoping that Lillard can come in and like supplement what, what TJ Brody is able to do so you uh, want Lilgren and Riley together? I mean, what like I, I, I don't know what else the what other option there is. Like that's the thing. Justin Hall with Morgan Riley doesn't work. We've we, we've tried that before. No. Yeah, that's all. Just looking at like the on ice numbers in terms of who leads the Leafs in goals for percentage. So five on five goals for versus five on five goals against. Guess who leads the Leafs? Who? Well, there's. Too small sample size. But isn't guys, goals but, four percentage just five, just plus minus? Yes. Uh, no, because it's five plus on five. minus includes it. Plus minus is even strength. So four on four. Okay. Five on six, six on five, all of that. But it's Mark Giordano, number one. Uh, five goals for one against Malgin two two four none against, and then Clifford two. But but that's also similar to the yeah. expected Giordano goals. Giordano also fifty five point five four expected goals percentage. Yeah, That's not I, th- I think his area of improvement is in his own zone, moving the puck up the ice. He had I've some. Good, he had a very good stretch to start, mm-hmm. and then had a tough stretch on top of that. 
and then it's been very, very up and down. The, the thing is, he's the type of guy who's like, yeah, he's older, but he's his, also been babysitting. Yeah, and his yeah, exactly yeah. that like, that that and his body of work is like he earned he's earned the benefit of the doubt now. He's like been in the league. Yeah. Like may, maybe the wheels have fallen off. I don't think they have yet. Uh, there's room for him to get better, and hopefully he does. So, yeah. I mean, what what else is there to talk about this defense? Crazy, but it's there's it's a, gonna I feel like be there's a lot. very interesting playing against uh, the Flyers tomorrow with this D. The the thing up. that I hope for in the future, though, is like, especially first of all, the Leafs should be in a position where Sandy and Lilligren are just playing every single game. But they should be a really good team. They should be able to play those guys every single game. Now I'm worried that these guys are still going to be really sheltered and not get enough scratch. Maybe. Yeah. Like, like they right now, I'm sorry. Those guys should be playing almost like same as Nick Robertson. Like, no, but, but the, the problem is, sorry to cut you off. When Lilligan comes back, Jordy Ben's coming back, which means they're no, probably, Jor- but Jordy Ben's been playing a conditioning stint. No. Well, so has Lilligan. Yeah. But he's going to be back the same time. They're probably both back at the same time. And I guarantee you one of Sandin. No, it's, I guarantee you Sandin's probably going to get scratched for him. Because Mark, unless you scratch Mark Giordano, I don't know how you can scratch Mark Giordano. Maybe no, they're gonna they're gonna scratch Mete or Crawl. Okay, so Lilligren's in. Yeah. When how do you how do you get Jordy Bennett? I don't think they're gonna no, get Jordy Bennett. They're not. Once Lilligren's in, he's in. Like, and then they're sending down Mete Crawl, right? And then maybe Jordy Ben's the seventh defenseman in case of maybe. injury. I don't I don't think they'll scratch one unless it's an egregious game. Yeah, honestly, no, they probably will scratch one. I, I, yeah, I'm with Jason. They probably over, over the next five games that both Lilligan, Brody, and Sandin are all available. Not Brody. Sorry. Ben. Ben are all available. Chances are one of those players each each game. Sorry. Chances are one of those players will get, like, each of those players will get scratched for, like, multiple games. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's like I could see them, like, choosing to scratch Sandin and Lilligan and not scratch Justin Hall. Yeah. I could see them doing that. I'm not saying, again, I don't believe in that. But based on the deployment, based on priors, based on like what we've seen prior like from last year, like this is on brand for Sheldon Keith to do. And it like hurts me to think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also Matt Murray's eligible to come back de- relatively soon. Do you, are we done with D? Because can we say something about the goaltending? Yeah. How did this end up being the least talked about position? Because... They got lucky because Ilya Samsonov has still played quite well, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. His form, the previous game was not as it was in the first couple of games, but well, I didn't I mean, think he played bad by I, any sense. No, of the I mean there were pretty good chances, but I mean, what I, what have I been saying? Also, I, I have a hand up question. What for you both? Do you think Sheldon Keith regrets not giving Samsonov two of these three games? Well, it wasn't. It was Samsonov was sick. Is that what it was? Yeah. He was he sick was for the, the first game. He was yeah. under the weather. But I think they were going to start Shogun anyways. No. 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 Okay. No. All right. He was under the weather. Okay. I, the only reason why I believe that is because there was clearly a flu going around. The Vegas Raiders had a flu. So they're in that area. Right. There was my, likely a flu maybe in the casinos. maybe in the- <laughs> 365 days a year in Vegas. Come on. Yeah. But, but <laughs> in terms of how Eric Shogun played this weekend against San Jose and then against uh, Anaheim there, I mean – San Jose, I saw someone try to criticize him for the Carlson overtime goal. Like, that one, you you just got to get yourself checked for brain worms. Also, got beat. who's Happens. back of the year? Like, Eric Carlson is almost fully oh, yeah. back. He looks very, very good. In terms of, he's all of San Jose's offense, which unfortunately yeah. is not very much. But, yeah, he 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 he's a significant offense. Six goals, 11 points in 11 games. Woo-hoo! 
Yeah, he's all the way back. He started very hot last year, too. I think he got injured a little bit, though. Yeah. So that, there's that. Against San Jose, like, I thought he played pretty well. I thought he made some decent saves. I mean, I don't think there was really many goals where it was like, oh, he he didn't play it well. It was all backdoor plays on the power play. Um, and the Leafs took two penalties in a row to put themselves on a five-on-three, and San Jose was able to capitalize, right? So I don't know how much you can really blame him for that. He's just not a good goalie. At the end I don't think day. he's that good. I mean, he's a ba- he's a low tier backup quality, but to blame him for a lot, of, like there's been one bad goal I'll say this year. Yeah. It was that third Anaheim goal was bad. But the the other thing about Shalgren is I see a lot of people saying like, oh, like to be fair to the Leafs, they didn't expect to be playing their number four goalie this early in the year. Number one, I think they probably consider him their number three goalie. Is that fair to say? Well, Joseph Wall's still injured. Yeah, and, and he, no he's been injured. Energy. He was injured last year as well. Yeah, he's injured this year, so. I think they probably slotted Shalgren as the three. Yeah. And I'm sorry. If you didn't expect Matt Murray to get hurt based off previous injury history. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. We said it 400 times. Didn't you say like over under 10 games for Shalgren? And you said like, I was the one who said under. You said over. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. I probably said around 10, 20, whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it was, how could you not expect this? I, the funniest was every Senators fan tweet is like, oh, Matt Murray's injured, whatever. And people, all these Senators fans were like, well, yeah, you bought a dog. Would you expect it not to bark? Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's a reason Ottawa paid us to take him on. Yeah, so. and there's a reason why we paid someone to, to get re- paid someone to take on Peter Mrazek. It's almost like they had similar issues. Almost like well, I said I, Plus, some more cap space we took on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but hey, the other guy won the Stanley Cup seven years ago. Yeah, banners fly forever. Yep. Hopefully, Matt Murray can come back and play well. No, I play, hope so. Play games. Play. No, I, if, he, if he just plays games, if he just plays games and plays bad, I'd rather him not be here. I'd rather yeah. him be on LTIR. Obviously. So, I mean, first you got to get him to play the games. Yeah. And then, no, like, no offense to Matt Murray, but like, if Samsonov plays at a nine fifteen, like I said, yeah. He even I don't even care nine ten. Like, give me like we don't Matt we don't Murray need above average goaltender and be the playoff backup if you need. Exactly. Don't care. But yeah, we'll see with that one coming. I mean. It's kind of coming up. I mean, we, the Leafs have played 10 games. He got injured and put on LTIR after game. game two. Yeah, sorry. Before game three. So, I mean, another couple of games, he's going to be eligible. I think mid-November is going to be the target for him to return. So, And they don't really have to send anyone down because of Jake Muzzin's situation, which doesn't seem like it's Yeah, well, then they, all the extra players they have. They've had a bun- like an abundant – like yeah. they have two scratched forwards right now, a scratched defenseman. They have three extra players right now, I think – Maybe one, a few of them are going to have to go down. But. Really? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think, think so. so for Cap. I think no. they'll still be no, able to carry a 23-man roster. They'll, yeah. they'll still be able to carry that. Because right now they're not using their full allotment of LTIR. With Muzzin, they'll use their full allotment of LTIR and have guys on the team, I believe. Yes. When yes, Murray comes back, they can do that. They're only using $89 million. They're, they're $89 million in cap hit right now, and they have 12 mil in LTIR space. So they're not oh, using so they're the full not using, five, five, Yeah, that's, it would almost be the exact same. Yeah. It would be like 86 with Muzzin, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. They can fit it in. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, that's a sigh of release right there. I mean, nah. it doesn't really do much, but small win. Take them while they come. Right. But yeah. Uh, in terms of that, like I, th- I thought Samsonov, I mean, we only got to see him one game, which is kind of crazy, but it was, uh, it was not a very easy game for him. I'll tell you that for free. I what mean, were the shots t- in that game? 
it wasn't that bad, but like when you're turning the puck over at the blue line to Kevin Fiala, he made it. And then Sandine made another turnover in the third period and he had to make a huge sliding across save there. Um, he did make a few good saves. I mean, could he have played a few of the goals a little bit better? I mean, sure. Yeah. There was two of the goals. I don't think he had his stick because he like, it got caught up in a player and it just, he just lost it. So happens, but you got to be stronger on that. His upper body. I mean, I said like, he's not the stylistically most pretty goaltender. And when you get, get a move in, kind of shows but yeah looking at the heat map in that game they scored three goals basically right in the slot and they had another almost 10 chances all with pre-shots movement yeah pre-shot so, movement it's hard to really i i agree with you i it's, it's kind of hard to blame that one on him no not at all anyone doing that is a loser yeah and I, honestly i think like not like I don't, I don't have an eye for goalies but i think samson right now for me is playing over expected considering how bad oh, we're playing yeah. in front of him like, like way over expected. Really good signing so far. Great Rock quality. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's the goaltending situation. It's uh, Ilya Samson on net. <laughs> also, one quick LA Kings thing on the side: like Arthur Kaliev barely plays. Yeah. He still has six points in ten games. This guy just puts up points. Wow, that's it. He's playing just fourth put- line. Who is his line mates? Are Brendan Lemieux and Blake Lazat. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, the most unexpected story of the NHL season so far is Gabe Velarde. I, I'm oh, shocked. Yeah. How many goals does he have? He has eight, eight goals. goals now. Crazy. Did, how many games did he play last year in the NHL? He played 25 games, and he had <laughs> seven points. Wow. So he has more goals in 11 games than he had in 25 points in 25 games last year. And he, I think he's actually – He's playing figured, up in the lineup. He's He replaced Kevin Fiala on the first line. And Kevin Fiala has 12 points in 11 games. Like That's great to the see. The one good thing about L.A., again, I don't think we picked them in the playoff spot, but we did say – if these young guys step up, they have a lot of depth. Yeah. And some of them are Big stepping if, up. But yeah. So, but we're now more more worried about their goaltending situation then. Well, yeah, Which goal, one person on this podcast did point out when we were talking about the LA yeah. Kings. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh don't worry, we didn't uh we didn't even get to them. <laughs> Sure. That's another disappointment. Through 10 games, they've played a lot of garbage teams. That is the other. A lot of garbage teams with garbage defense. They haven't played. They've played how many teams that you consider like a for sure Vegas. a playoff team? Vegas and Dallas. Dallas. That's it. That's it. And they have not put up. Not even not only not. And they put won up those offense. two games. No, they lost against Vegas. Oh, they lost against Vegas. I was thinking. Came back. close. Came close. Yeah. But yeah, they beat Dallas. Yeah. Like. I don't know. Like it's that that just adds to it. Like when people oh, relax, they're four, four, and two. Okay, yeah, they, they lost to Montreal. They lost to the Coyotes. They lost to the Ducks. They lost to the Kings. They lost to the Sharks. And I'm probably missing another one in there too. No, uh, yeah, those are those five teams suck. Yep, I agree. They're terrible. They did not even look good while they were beating the Leafs. No. So, and the Leafs didn't even look good losing. Yeah. Is there? Uh, I have an around the league thing that re- yeah. relates to the Leafs. So Ethan Bear was traded to Vancouver. Yep. Did you hear what Elliot Friedman said about that? What did he say? He said the Leafs were in on Bear, very in on Bear, but they didn't want to attach a pick with whatever money or player or roster spot they were moving back to Carolina. Huh. So can I just jump in quickly? That tells you, I think, a lot about the status of Jake Muzzin. And I yeah. don't think he'll be back this year, honestly. Whoa. Because why else would you make that move? Take on. It's not even about the player. 
It's more about the cap hit number. Two right? and change. Two two five. I two mean. two five. They def definitely don't have enough space to take that and have Jake Muzzin come back. They, they don't def- even have enough raw. Like I don't know how they would have fit him on the team. They probably would have just sent down guys. No, no, I'm saying like when Lilligren comes back, why did you trade for Ethan Bear? Is he going to be your seventh defenseman? He just wants to play. I don't know. Even then, why would why are you paying a guy two two five to be the seventh defenseman? It was just an interesting thing. I wanted to get huh. your guys' thoughts. I wonder if it had. No, it definitely didn't have Justin Hall on the way he, back. He's a flashy player. I mean, he makes good plays, but last year he did not put up very good numbers, and he was the seventh defenseman in Carolina. Yeah, like you, you do have to take a look at that and be like. Hmm. why was he the seventh defenseman in Carolina? Like some teams do make mistakes on players, but it's a lot less often than you think. Like, And it's a lot less often the really good teams and organizations, right? Yeah, exactly. So like Carolina knows exactly what they want. Yeah. And if they're playing, like we talked about um, Jalen Chatfield, Jalen Chatfield and Calvin DeHaan and Jalen Chatfield, former Canuck. Dylan, <laughs> I know they traded for Dylan Coughlin technically, but like, those are not names that people would generally say, wow, these guys are worse than Ethan Bear. But again, Dylan Coglin was in the Pacioretty, Pacioretty deal. trade. He was. He was the sweetener part. He was. So, uh, and he's yeah. playing over Ethan Bear. The, but Jason did say, would that have been a Hall trade going back? Would it have been one for, like, is that what that looked like? I don't know. Because the one thing about Hall is, I agree, I don't think they're going to trade them. But a lot of people also were saying, when are they going to move Dermot? And then eventually, at the end of the, his deal, they didn't move him. Yeah. So, not actually, I think he has one year. Did he have one year he left? Has one year yeah. left. He had one year left. They signed him to that two year inside the shelf deal. Inside yeah. the That was a crazy drawer. overpayment, too. Like, overpayment? For Travis Dermott? How much were they he's, paying? They one paid five. Him one and a half last year. Yeah. Yeah. He's still injured this year. Yeah. Kind of unfortunate. Vancouver. Got to do solids for your boys, I guess. That's part of, uh, part of being a GM. Yeah. I don't but, know. They got a third for him. Like, that was a good trade. That was crazy good. I mean, shout out to Ottawa for supplementing that. Why? Wasn't it Ottawa who traded for Hamannick? That's right. And then, and then oh. Vancouver just flipped that pick for Dermot. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. But they're yeah. laughing now. Anyways, so we got Philadelphia coming up. Um, Could there be a worse team for the Leafs to play on this first game back? Not, not, only, not only is it them playing Philadelphia. They're playing a back-to-back, which means Philadelphia's backup goalie is going to be in. And I don't Felix think he's... Sandstrom. He I don't think he's started won, a game. He, no, he oh, has. Okay. He started two. He has not won a game. Okay. That's so, the caveat with Felix Sandstrom. If you want to... This is not financial advice, but if you want to make some money huh. watching the Leafs, go bet this guy all his overs. Shut out. <laughs> and then and the Philadelphia Flyers to win. Yeah, and then they got Boston on Saturday. Hurricanes five o'clock on Sunday, which is a little bit of a interesting one. And then Golden Knights again Tuesday. That is the toughest three game stretch they might see all year. All three Boston, of those teams are very good. So who is the Sunday? Carolina and then Vegas. Is that what you said? Yeah. Those are currently the three best teams in the NHL. <laughs> Yep. And then down the line, you got Devils November 17th. I wonder how that, that'll play out. Del- Devils have been a fun team to watch. We, that's the game I recommended we should head at, head down to watch. Ooh. On uh, Thursday there? Oh, is that Thursday? or sa- What's the Saturday game? That or, uh, Sabres. Sabres. That might have been. But Anyways. Flyers' second line is Noah Cates, Scott Lawton, and Owen Tippett right now. Owen Tippett's only played three games this year. 
What's the, what are the Leafs favored in that game? They got to be minus 350. I can tell you right now. They got to be minus 300, minus 350. Let's see. Pull it up. It is. Doop, 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 doop. There they are. Yeah. They're minus 300. Yeah, yeah. That's the best price available, hovering around like 315, 320-ish. Yeah. So it, this is like, if they lose this game, it might actually go to like DEFCON 5. DEFCON 5, I actually just learned, is the lowest, lowest level. I know. It's, it's DEFCON, DEFCON 1 that's I the know, highest. I know. Oh. Um, so is it starting to get bad, or like we, you mean DEFCON no, 1? No, I mean DEFCON 1. Do you guys think what there's knowledge. any chance? It's been a lot of talk about Sheldon Keefe. Is, what's his job security level? hundred percent. Right it's definitely not 100%. I disagree with you. There. You think so? I think it's high, but I definitely don't think it's 100%. Yeah, I don't. If they lose against Philly, I don't think he's getting canned. But, like, but if like, you lose like four out of your next five, and Which, looking at the up, schedule, looks very conceivable. Yeah, and you end up then five, nine, and two. Wow, that's bad. That he will get if they are five, nine, and two, and that'll basically be American Thanksgiving too. By yeah. that point, that stretches. Yeah, that stretches not kind. Like yeah, five, nine, and two, and that will me- have meant that you went from four, two, and zero oh to, I believe, right. Yeah. So, what was so, uh, what was Badcock? Eight game losing streak. So, you know, the one thing I'll say, I don't know if this Sorry. has any impact, and I'm not equating the two situations at all. But I think for Sheldon Keith, I, I I'm go, I've been going back and forth, but I think I've come to the realization that to, for Sheldon Keith to get fired, it's going to have to be just an entire, entire, entire turnover. I don't think I under think that makes sense. When you look at the whole thing that's gone on. Because when I look at Tampa Bay, right, they, John Cooper was hired uh, in 2012. They were missed, missed the playoffs that year. He was hired halfway through the year, right? I oh, think he's been there that long. Holy Yeah, cow. he's been there for almost a decade. He's been there for a decade. Yeah. So um, I'm doing the finger point of that basketball guy, by the way. Um, <laughs> for those who can't see. Uh, What's his name? How am I forgetting his name, too? This of course. is crazy. Something. Brian Winhorst. Brian, Brian Winhorst. So, four years into John Cooper's head coaching uh, job, mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning missed the playoffs, and I think how many it, how many playoff rounds did they win previous to that? Prior to that, they went Eight. to the finals in the third round. So I guess you know you got me there. You got me there. But yeah, I was just yeah, saying. I was, the Leafs won. But I want to see no. where you're getting because I I don't really understand where you're going. No, I'm just this. saying like. I really think if a regime's like the regime's guy is the regime's guy. That's kind of my point. Oh, so you're saying that would have been the opportunity for them. That to would have fire. been the opportunity to fire them because things went. They had a lot of injuries that year, though. But you're now doing the pointing. <laughs> Whose regime was it at that point? Because there was a regime change in Tampa Bay. Ooh. It was. Was it not still yeah, Steve Eiserman's? Yeah, I believe so. And then when Breezebach came in, they won. So it's like you can't. You're not going to fire your head coach after you win back-to-backs. I definitely think it would be hard for Kyle Dubas to fire one of his, what it seems like, best friends and somebody who he has almost exclusively worked with since he's been a GM at Sault Ste. Marie, right? I think that will definitely, like, let's put a human element on this. That's gonna, yep. That would be hard for him to do. Yep. Tough. Yeah. I just, so. there's a lot of factors leaning towards that he probably won't do it. Also, not to be like a, psychoanalytical person but like 
<laughs> I think you're a little late on that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, has he like has Kyle Dubas ever really made like a cutthroat decision with players? I I guess he did with Mike Babcock, yeah. but Mike Babcock was yeah. like Nazem Kadri. Yeah, but they it was more. I guess yeah, when he got a reason did to do it. Did you hear what Kadri said when he won the cup? That there's obviously some animosity there. Like that was pretty fair. obvious. Fair. So I don't know. I don't. I, say, I just don't. I'd think, say in terms of cutthroat, like signing John Tavares is like a ballsy decision. Yeah. Right. Like that was a big decision. But that was yeah. more big decision in the sense of chips on the table than like slitting, like stabbing someone in the back. Well, the, a lot of people have made that like argument about not splitting up like the big four of the team or maybe even at big five and added Morgan Riley. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I definitely I think can't be lost on everyone. Kyle Dubas is on the last year of his contract. That is factual. So yeah. he doesn't MLS even need to be. MLSC he doesn't have a, a CEO. Joey astutely pointed that out today that MLSC does not currently. No, you, at, you, well, you, you know, you astutely pointed it out that it's because it's a great point that they don't have, currently have a president. They have an interim president and CEO right now. So I do think that all kind of like wind horse finger pointing leads to like they don't even have to fire Kyle Dubas technically. They could just let him go at the end of the year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think we've uh, pretty much covered everything right now. It's uh, it's an interesting time in Leaf Slam. We'll the sa- the one sad part, honestly, is that they we suffered through a lot of really bad years, and then it got fun to be a Leafs fan again. And I feel a lot of the sentiment from a lot of people I'm talking to that some of that's going away, which is honestly pretty sad. Yeah. Like we're yeah. the last couple of years, we've been on a roller coaster, and it feels like we've been on the way up the whole time, right? And I think now we're starting to realize that we're on the way down. Not uh, like sentiment on the towards way the down team. was after losing to Montreal. I, I would say they're definitely realizing that this team is not guaranteed to take the step that everyone thought it would take, which is another sad part. Like it's yeah. been a long time and they haven't done anything, which is sad. And the effort from the team, too, is like I, I've heard the word uninspiring. A oh, lot. Yes, we said it last week, and I heard it more from different people this weekend that I was watching the game. Consistently with, but. uninspiring. So and that's that's sad, too, because it, this yeah. is supposed to be fun for us. Yeah. And with all the discourse and everything, media, sometimes it's not that fun, which sucks. So, yeah, let's yeah. try to keep the faith. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think got three big wins coming up until next episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they do two of three from Carolina, Vegas, Boston, that'll be a, a really nice momentum yeah. for them. Yeah. Or even one at this flipping point. But yeah, two of three. Four points by next episode, right? And then we got Vegas, which is like the day of. So I don't know how we're going to do that, but we'll figure it out. I right? also feel like I feel like the Leafs have played Carolina pretty well in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, it's been up and down. Up and down? Depends how far back you go. Up and down. Like David Ayers, yeah. But then I believe they also beat them. Like there was that Chris, that was there was that next gen game. Then yeah. there was the David yeah. Ayers game, and then last year there was the first game of the year where they just stunk. But then there 